The Run Culture podcast has always been a passion project. It was created to share stories and experiences, to educate runners and to grow the sport. Ultimately, to show that running is cool. The podcast has provided us all opportunities to listen and learn from some interesting people in the running world. Welcome to the Run Culture podcast. My name is Dane Verway. I am an all-out running fan and an accredited running coach, a marathoner myself and an experienced physiotherapist that specialises in treating runners. So, before we get right into the show, if you have enjoyed any of the previous episodes of the Run Culture podcast and they have added value to your life and you want to support the podcast going into 2021, then we have a Patreon page. It's linked to in the show notes. A small monthly donation will go a heck of a way to keeping the show alive. By doing so, you too can also feel fulfilled that you are doing your bit to promote and grow the sport. Also, for those runners interested or in need, links to my online strength and conditioning course for runners or run therapy, my physiotherapy clinic, are also in the show notes. Alas, enough from me. Here's this week's interview. Welcome back to episode 111 of the Run Culture podcast. Today, I have a very different podcast this week. It's just me chatting about a topic that I've looked into and I find really fascinating. So a topic that I really want to share. This week's topic, and I'm going to do topics like this in the future, especially if I get good feedback. But this week's topic is, in our training, how much should we focus on our strength versus our weakness when we're trying to get the best out of ourselves. So to start with, obviously working on lifestyle weaknesses like bad diet, poor sleep, routine, work stress, lack of commitment or focus, poor devotion to recovery. Working on all of these lifestyle weaknesses will all help performance. This is a no-brainer. We should all be ticking these cardinal boxes as otherwise we are underperforming. So that's basic. We all know that. Or um, there's also the idea of working on technical running, hills, strength in the gym or running technique. Uh, when When this is so clearly a weakness that is holding an athlete from accessing their full strength and full potential, this is also another no brainer. So I've actually got two athletes I coach, one, and I'm, not, I'm sure they won't mind me raising their names, Pete Dutton. He worked very much on his muscle strength while he was injured over December, the recent December period. He was out for eight weeks off running with a stress fracture. He was in the gym a lot more than he's ever been. In fact, he never really has done much gym, and he, and he would admit that, yeah, he needed to work on the gym. He's a lot more muscly now. And already, just five months after being back, his running is going so much better and he moves across the ground so so well now. So he's in a, such a better position than he was uh, previously because he's worked on this weakness. So, you know, they, these are all, all no-brainers. Another uh, clear example were I've worked on several... Uh, athletes techniques and and I've seen their performances really really flourish as a result uh one namely that comes to mind and and Damien Clark uh, another athlete I coach he wouldn't mind me raising this 
he we really worked on uh, stopping him from overstriding and worked on his arms because he had a, a very cross arm kind of style and and we sort of sort of neatened his arms up and made them a bit bit um, smaller and in by his side and and funnily enough that that really changed the way his legs moved uh, rather than really reaching for the ground he he shortened his his uh, step length and he's quickened his cadence and and he really did need to quicken his cadence because he was down near the 150s and and really uh, had an inefficient uh, technique and uh, since then he's gone from strength to strength and it's not just that he's managed to be really consistent and do a lot of good training um, but if you look look at him now and how he moves it's chalk and cheese from where he used to be so all the lifestyle weaknesses or um, yeah whether it's a uh, uh, working on weaknesses like strength um, through your body or, or your technique um, if you work on them you, you're clearly gonna help your performance so this should be um, part of your your weekly training um, but today I, I really wanted to focus on the fact that we are all born differently genetically and physiologically um, and some of us have greater proportions of fast twitch fibers than others and some of us have more slow twitch fibers than others also some uh, of us are born with a higher VO2 max, so our ability to transport oxygen to our muscles and, and utilize it. Um, some of us have a better ability to do that than the next person, okay? So this is, uh, we're born this way. So in other words, at birth, we have a, an acquired genetic phenotype that predisposes us with certain strengths and weaknesses. So I wanted to talk about this because Fundamentally, uh, some of us um, have, a, have a greater genetic predisposition to be, uh, say, distant runners, like marathoners, and others maybe should focus more on the shorter middle distance events or sprints uh, because of the way that we're made, our plumbing. Okay, so fundamentally, um, to improve as runners, initially, all we need to do is get the basics right. We'll improve. Example, train hard and consistently rest, eat, sleep, and do it again. So even just running with no sessions or workout structure consistently over time will lead to improvement initially. However, over time, as we've done this for a while, there's this phenomenon called diminishing returns. So we soon need to get a bit more specific to the athlete and specific to the event being targeted, targeted to. So in our training, we suddenly need to uh, make the training sessions better reflect the plumbing of the athlete and the event they're training for. So I might just touch that initial inspiration for this episode came from episode 59 of the Run Culture podcast where I interviewed New Zealand running coach Chris Pallone and uh, one of the quotes that I'll never forget from that episode was, he said, train the athlete to their unique plumbing. And it's this idea that I really want to harp on today. Uh, other inspirations for this um, particular episode came from a couple of other interviews I did. So if you want to listen back to the Ben Liddy or Justin Rinaldi interview and their insights, also greatly inspired this episode. Uh, they're both 
middle distance running coaches in Australia and they coach a lot of 800 meter runners and it's very interesting to hear their insight on the different ways that certain athletes they coach um, approach the same event. Uh, I also found a great article by Max King, who's a pro trail runner, and he wrote an article for podiumrunner.com about this exact topic. Should we train our strengths versus our weaknesses? What should we focus on? And then I also visited the good old Let's Run message boards, which um, they're always good to visit because there's a lot of insights, a lot of garbage, but a lot of good insights on there as well. So you often hear people say, train your weaknesses. So from a pure logic sense, it seems true that this would work. Uh, But often, uh, if that's all you focus on for the block of training, then we neglect our strengths, which our strengths are our ace up our sleeve, they're our trump card, they're the thing that actually got you good at running in the first place. So then we end up with a net zero fitness improvement. Or I can also understand the thought, how do you get better at running when you're trying to do something that you're already good at? So how do you get better at something that you're already good at. So this is alluding to like, if you focus on your strengths and they're already your strengths, how do you get better? Uh, I had a really good experience with this exact exact thought. Uh, The good thing about running is that for a long time, you do get better even just by doing the same thing. So for example, I trained the same way for seven years from 23 to 28 years old and kept improving for the first four to five years because I stayed consistent, I was uninjured, and I just kept adding layers of strength to my physiology from consistency. Um, my training has since changed uh, because I you know, reached that diminishing returns kind of point but I'll go back to this example later on how my training has since changed. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it is an interesting, an interesting um, uh, point, but I think for run, run it, from the running side of things, uh, um, like I think the idea that um, if you just keep staying consistent over time, the amount of um, amazing runners that I've uh, seen that if you saw them six, eight years ago, you would never have guessed or thought of the um, times that they have actually got themselves to. Um, and they, and then you ask them about the training, and it's like, oh, pretty simple, just kept doing this. And, and then you ask them a secret, oh, just consistency. Um, so yeah, I think I think um, yeah, it's that's that's um, yeah, important to know. Uh, on the Let's Run message boards, there's some great examples that I think really uh, illustrate illustrate the point that I'm trying to make with this podcast. So if you take two runners that are training for the same event, so for example, just off the top of my head, uh, maybe we'll take a Stuart McSwain, so 
uh, one of the best runners that we've ever had. Um, and the event is the 1500. And then you pit Stuart McSwain up against Jai Edwards. So Jai Edwards is an up and coming um, superstar. And for those that know, uh, at the recent national 1500 meter championships, he was able to sit on the back of Stewie McSwain the whole 1500 meter race and then outkick Stewie. Now why I picked those two athletes is because they train very differently, but both have run very fast over the 1500 and very successfully. So both have run between 330 to 333 for the 1500, just incredible times. But if you look at the training that Jai Edwards has done over the last five years, it has been littered with injury. Uh, he still cross trains a couple of times a week. His mileage would be very low and it's very speed focused because I had a chat to him um, uh, earlier this year. So if you wanna to listen to that, that chat, um, go back to that interview. And he said so, He's, he, he loves the speed work. Um, Whereas if you look at Stewie McSwain and even the way that he runs those 1500s, he's a strength runner. Um, he's got an amazing time over 10K and 5K. He's been amazingly consistent over time. He, he does a high mileage of running. Um, he would do a lot of hard tempo runs, a lot of hard 1K and mile, mile reps, a lot of big sessions, a lot of running. Um, he's a strength runner and the way that he runs a 1500 is from that vantage point as well. Um, but it's cool because you see two runners training to their plumbing. So if Jai Edwards tried to do what Stewie McSwain does, he would get injured currently. So maybe over time you'll be able to like slowly do a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Um, but then if you got Stewie McSwain to do Jai Edwards training, Maybe it wouldn't be enough and he'd go worse. Um, another um, good example um, uh, is um, over the 800 in Australia, there's um, a great athlete called Luke Matthews and another great athlete called Joe Deng. Now Joe Deng um, is coached by Justin Rinaldi. He does um, just 30 kilometers a week. Um, whereas Luke Matthews, when he's really firing, would do about 130 Ks a week. Uh, they both train for the same event, the 800 meters, and both run between 144 to 145. So incredible times. Uh, why I raise this example is because if you got Luke Matthews to start trying to do Joe Deng's training and Joe Deng to do Luke Matthews training, um, I think what you'd find is uh, not only would it be a rude shock to both of them and they'd probably get injured, but they'd also, you'd also find that uh, um, they'd both probably get pretty fried and tired because uh, they're, they're not, they're not um, training to their plumbing. So they're not training to their strength. So Luke Matthews is obviously more, has probably had a bit more slow twitch fibers to his muscles Joe Deng's probably a lot more fast twitch um, to his muscles. And so you've got to, you've got to um, learn what kind of runner you are and tailor your training to that and you'll get 
uh, a bit more bang for buck and a bit more out of your training. So these examples really illustrate that we must gradually learn our own plumbing. Are we more a speedy runner or are we more a strength runner? Then we need to ensure our strengths are the meat and veg of our training week. As this is our talent that sets us apart, this means we are training to our plumbing. While we train our weaknesses perhaps at the end of the session, just here and there, or periodically. So, uh, but it's, it's important, like, what you should understand is that often our strengths are what we find easy or enjoy doing, where our weaknesses are just plain hard work, tiring and not fun. Now, this is important to know because running is a psychological sport. So when training your weakness, the fact that it is tiring and not fun, it's perhaps best not to do stacks and stacks of it because it's just going to make you really tired and it's not fun. And it's best not to do it perhaps just while you're tapering before a race um, maybe that's not the best time to work on your weakness. So, yeah, for example, for example, like if you're trying to get a bit more speed, then you should be littering it through your program over time and not piling it all at once because that um, means that you're not going to enjoy your running, you're going to get really tired and perhaps you're going to get injured. And then there's also the fact, before I go into three to four more interesting stories and examples that I wanted to talk about, there's also the fact that the specifics of the race that we're training for need to be considered too. As we don't always race purely because we're genetically blessed at what we're doing. So for example, if Usain Bolt suddenly wanted to do a marathon and was to train for a marathon, Focusing on his strength isn't going to get him far. So the race that we're training for and how that relates to your genetic strengths and weaknesses needs to be considered too. Uh, so yeah, going back to my running, um, I trained the same way for seven years from yeah, 23 to, to 20, 28 years old. Um, uh, I kept improving for that time. Then over those last couple of years, um, those final two years from 28 to 30, um, I stagnated. My improvements in the marathon stagnated. I wasn't improving. Uh, over the first four to five years, I added layers of strength to my physiology just from consistency. But after the two years of plateaued marathon performance, with the same training every week, I got interested in Renata Canova's specific marathon training that Josh Harris, a good runner from Down Under in Tassie, was doing. So in 2018, I added this to my training in a diluted form and I PB'd at the Berlin Marathon. I won the Hobart and Adelaide Marathon. And why I think this worked is I've always been a slow twitch guy, an endurance guy. I always knew I was a marathoner from a young age. That was uh, the way I was wired. That was my plumbing. I'd get smashed in the schoolhouse sports sprint events, but I'd enjoy dominant wins in the longer events. 
so this um, specific marathon training, uh, Renata Canova's marathon training, was very hard aerobic training. And I was at the stage of my running career where I was ready to take that as the next uh, little uh, progression in my training journey. Um, so it was very specific to my strength um, as an aerobic, as a, a slow twitch guy and a, an aerobic strength guy. So this very hard aerobic training was very suitable to my plumbing. So once I'd reached a plateau with the highly successful uh, Wardlaw inspired Aussie Marathon program, I added this to my regime and it worked fantastically. However, over the past year, uh, such was my success with the longer more marathon specific training um, and my persistently sore Achilles, I started to emit some of the regular shorter sessions and the speed sessions I'd, I'd actually do with uh, Wardlaw system that I stuck with for seven years. Uh, I still continued to go well. I, I won the two bays uh, trail run and, and ran well at last year's lockdown challenge event, um, becoming the second fastest 50 kilometer runner in Australia. However, I have noted that I've lost heaps of speed. Uh, so I still have the aim of trying to break my Berlin Marathon PB over the, the um, uh, yeah, over the, um, you know, f not like the future. Um, so over the past six to eight months, uh, I've added a lot more strength training and quicker sessions with the younger boys I coach into my training. And I've tried to improve my speed and technique again. And it has been a super hard process. And I'd, I'd have to uh, be honest, my speed still isn't quite back. So currently my training has some of the hard aerobic workouts that really are specific to me and my event for the marathon um, that have worked so well for me. But I will never neglect my weakness, uh, my speed again. So... That's an import, important experience, uh, personal experience for me. Um, uh, so it shows that, you know, not neglecting your weakness is important too. So it might not be your priority and it might not be where you're focusing your energy, but don't, don't ever neglect it. Uh, another good example I wanted to bring up was, uh, uh, yeah, one of the boys I coach and he won't, he won't uh, mind me raising him, uh, Jeff du Jess Dunsmore. Uh, so a couple of years ago when I first started coaching Jess, uh, we coached him for the five kilometer state uh, athletics champs um, and he ran really well and he, he did a lot of five kilometer sort of specific training and he broke 15 minutes for the first time and it was a 20 second PB. Off the back of that race, uh, with no 1500 specific work other than, you know, one session, uh, he ended up breaking four minutes for the first time for the 1500, which is a, a very different event to the to the 5K. So this was very early in the track season, so um, we are both in good spirits. We were both thinking, okay, well, what's the next aim? Or maybe, maybe we are we're happy with the 5K result. Maybe we focus a bit more on training specifically for the 1500 and see if you can bring that 1500 time down with a bit more specific speed work. So there we go, the next uh, uh, two months, um, we uh, train a bit more specifically uh, for the 800 and the 1500. And interestingly, 
Jess's times actually went backwards um, and he got tired and fatigued as the season progressed. He ended the season injured and we needed to take um, a good block of time off to recover and rejuvenate. So it was an amazing learning experience and, and Jess is um, more a strength strength kind of guy too. Like he, He's got a lot more speed than me, but he doesn't have the, the speed of um, some of the, some of the um, uh, really... Uh, uh, or some of the guys that um, are in the training squad. Um, he's still got a, a fair bit of speed, but not, not as much as them. So it was an interesting insight because it definitely changed the way that we attacked uh, the most recent track season that's just passed. So uh, we started the season and Jess, Jess just aimed um, for, did a lot of 10K training and uh, strength training. He actually helped me with my 50 kilometer build up. And so he was super fit. Uh, uh, we probably just um, did a bit more of his winter base because uh, he missed out on the cross-country season because of COVID. Then uh, we started going, okay, well, track season's upon us. Uh, it looks like events are going to go ahead. Uh, so let's let's start aiming um, uh, for the 5K. But while we're um, aiming uh, for the 5K, uh, let's do some 1500s um, and just um, add the speed work in over time. So we will just add it in gradually, but over time, not just all at once and not as our main focus. So Jess continued to just aim for the 5K. That was his big aim. And, and there sporadically every week or two, he'd do a 1500 race. And he started the season and he was a bit disappointed and despondent with how slow uh, he started the season, he came last in his first two 1,500-meter events. But in true Jess Dunsmore style, he wasn't perturbed, and he kept going. And so in February, he ended up uh, running um, some really good 5K park runs. And then um, by the end of March, three months later, he ran a 1,500-meter PB, and it was about um, his sixth or seventh uh, go at the 1,500. And he finished the season with a 1,500 PB. Um, while he had a bit more of a, a well-rounded training program, so he was training for the 5K with a lot of strength work and just a bit of speed work, it's just his result took a bit of time to come uh, so yeah it was a really interesting learning experience again and it shows that when you are um, training your weakness uh, or something that doesn't come as easy then when you train it make sure that you train it over time and you don't train it just all at once otherwise you often end up tired burnt out or sore Okay, so yeah, that was Jess. Um, another example um, that comes to mind, I've got two more examples and then I'll round up because you're probably sick of me chatting. Uh, but another example, there was this really good sprinter and I won't name her name, but um, at the most recent Olympics and she ran the 200 meters and and she, she uh, flew and uh, yeah, she ran um, an amazing, amazing race and uh, since then, uh, a lot of uh, coaches told her, oh, okay, imagine if you can add some strength. Imagine what kind of sprinter you'll be. Because she was quite 
um, a, a, th- a thin-statured sprinter and di- did it a lot just on great technique and speed uh, rather than strength. Um, so obviously speed times strength equals power and they th- and, and, and then a lot of coaches and and I can't dispute why they thought that like it it, um, it makes it makes sense on paper just like um, a lot of things do when you think about your weaknesses it's like well if I can just give a little bit more focus on that then surely I'll be like an even better runner and yeah um, so then she focused um, over the next few years on on the um, on, on strength and I'm talking from afar. Um, I don't know this example uh, complete completely, but I feel like it's it's um, and even if it's if I'm speaking out of turn and it is a bit inaccurate, my my recall, it is um, it is a good uh, example to to have in your head because she focused on her strength and then um, she obviously got um, a bigger frame, stronger frame, more you know more more uh, power. But her times on paper didn't didn't get any quicker, and if anything, they probably got a little bit slower. Um, and perhaps she, she'd gone too much the other way um, and changed what worked for her uh, for that recent Olympics. And uh, yeah, perhaps perhaps that's um, uh, what you can summarise from from that um, example. So. I think um, I've and I've seen like a few runners where they do amazing off low mileage, uh, um, off in a similar vein, like sixty to seventy kilometer weeks, and and everyone says, oh, imagine if you can do a hundred k's a week, how good you would be, or imagine if you did one hundred and twenty, or one hundred and thirty, or one hundred and forty, or two hundred k's a week, like uh, De Costello used to do, um, and some 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 athletes just aren't genetically uh as resilient as others and so you can slowly manage to do more miles over time with consistency and and yeah i I never would have dreamed of doing 140 150 k's a week um yeah when i was young uh it does it does slowly evolve over time and you can manage more your body does gradually get stronger and uh, more resilient and robust, but there definitely there definitely is this thought that oh imagine if you just step up your kilometers from seventy k's a week to a hundred k's a week. Let's do that um, over the next couple of years, and then while they're trying to do that, they just end up on the sideline injured the whole time. Uh, whether they're trying to increase their load too quickly, or whether some runners just are low mileage kind of runners and that's their plumbing and maybe um, they've got to train that way and that's how they're going to be the most successful. So that's just an interesting concept and it's not going to be true of everyone but it is just an interesting construct to think of because often we're always thinking more is better. And then the last athlete and I'm sure he won't mind me raising it um, that I wanted to chat about was uh, yeah Jeff Risley. And I've been really um, enthralled to, to watch Jeff's um, career because he's of the same age as me. And I went through uh, my last year of school um, and, at, and went to the National Athletics Championships and roomed with Jeff and 
saw him perform amazingly over the um, high jump. He jumped over two metres and amazingly over the 800 metres and, and ran 153 and he was just a raw talent. Um, he was coming from football. So you could see him just bounce along and he just oozed uh, uh, oozed um, potential. Um, and he seemed to respond really quickly just off, off a lot of intervals and speed work um, and uh, his training obviously developed over time. Um, he had a lot of injuries and, and that probably um, changed ha how much speed work he could do over time. But I remember seeing him a few years ago and he'd just come off his latest surgeries and I was just watching him from afar um, and he was warming down after the Nitro Athletics meet, um, yeah, in 2018. Uh, and he was just a shadow of himself. He just wasn't moving like the Jeff Risley we all know. And he was just shuffling along and he looked sore. And there would have been like some some kind of reason for it. He, he would have been, um, you know, recovering from an injury. Uh, but then also, even just... Uh, last last year or the last couple of years he's trained so hard and he's trained so valiantly to get back and i feel like he was doing he was the fittest he's ever been aerobically so he'd really worked on his weakness because he never really had the the strength of of some of the 1500 meter runners that he he would um face up against um over 3k or 5k but he really worked on that capacity and, and he really worked on that weakness and got better at it but I felt like his strength, which was his kick and his kick finish and his, his really bouncy stride, suffered as a result. And then he had a coaching change and he teamed up with um, Justin Rinaldi, who I mentioned before, um, who I've chatted to on the, on the podcast. And he's the coach of Joe Deng, who's also an athlete who I mentioned before, who does low mileage, lots of hills, lots of gym uh, lots of short reps on the track and uh, Jeff started to introduce a bit more of this into his routine when he was um, in the recent uh, last six months and just watching from afar he he started to win win a few races again and just finish like the Jeff Risley of old so it's going to be interesting I, I really wish him well he's over off overseas um, having a few races um, but yeah I, I um, really enjoyed watching that and and that's just another example that i've just watched from afar so don't know the complete intel and and probably are speaking out of turn but that's just my read on the situation so i think that's an interesting um case study to to think about and and to know to know of um uh as well so anyway like that's that's um the podcast for today uh so should we focus um, mainly on our strengths? I think so, because that's our plumbing. And then we should also never neglect our weaknesses. But we have to work out when the best time is to work on them and how, they how it all relates to the event that we're targeting. Initially, just a good routine um, of ticking off all the basics, like just fundamentally getting out and running and, and, and training consistently and pushing yourself and reco recovering and eating well and resting. All that is the key initially until you start to, start to um, 
notice that um, performances aren't exactly improving, then you need to start working out what kind of runner you are and start testing testing and progressing some of the the workouts that that are that um playing to your strengths so for me i really started to work on my aerobic strength because that was my strength and that's when i noticed a really big um improvement in my performance but then don't forget um in the recent year or so by neglect by being so overjoyed by this i'd neglected my speed over time and then i've lost a bit of my speed now this could be an effect of just getting older and being 35 as well uh and that that could be a little bit of the case but i um i'd like to think it it's also um probably an effect of um my biases of of how i've de- how i've coached myself so um yeah now speed strength training and that kind of stuff is a regular part of my weekly schedule too. All right, um, love to hear the feedback on this episode. I wanna do a few more of these because I really enjoy talking about stuff like this. Um, yeah, if you find it useful, reach out and I'd love to hear your feedback. All right, see you guys, keep running.